Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hope all of you are doing well. Welcome to a new edition of the Believe in Boston Betting Podcast with your host, Shukri Wrights. This week, I am joined by the one and only, the legend, although he won't admit it with his good looks and his good hair, something <laughs> that I can't I can't claim to have good hair because I have none, clearly. Um, Joe, Joe Serralo, he is a national TV betting host for Stadium, host of Serralo Sports Talk on Sports Map Radio, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern, Wednesdays on Sports Map Radio Network, also a member of the Believe family as well. Joe, say it ain't so. What's going on, man? How you doing? My man, thank you so much for having me. I, that was a that was a hell of an intro. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to get it going. No, absolutely, my pleasure. I gotta start by the Boston Bruins because Ooh. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this by now. I'm a big Bruins guy. They lost their first home game. Of the regular season. Shocker. And even right now, as after I watched the game, or at least parts of it, what I was able to like catch and whatnot. And here we are on the on the day of January 12, 2023, when we're doing the recording of the podcast. The Bruins finally lose their first home game. Joe, how impressed are you that the Bruins have been able to go this far into the regular season at the official halfway mark before they lose their first home game and your overall impressions on this team so far and the historic run that they've been on? Man, I'll tell you what. Look, I'll be the first one to admit that I'm not the biggest hockey fan or hockey follower anymore. I mean, middle school me was watching 82 Devils games a year. But Ah. because, because I am a Devils fan, the Bruins have caught my eye. I mean, my Devils my Devils got off to as hot a start as anyone in hockey to start the year. First 20, 25 games, the Devils and the Bruins were so far ahead of everyone. So yeah. when they played each other, I believe they played each other twice this year so far. Naturally, I was locked in because I was like, all right, I want my Devils to be the best. Let's see if we can beat the best. And the Bruins just looked like they were, like they were leaps and bounds ahead of us, man. I mean, this team is just so well-rounded. In all three phases of the game, I mean, four phases, if you want to include special teams, power plays, penalty kills, they're just so polished, so well-rounded, and they play with a tempo that I'm not used to seeing from the Bruins teams that I grew up watching. This team plays a faster-paced hockey than most Boston Bruins teams, that, at least that I've witnessed, uh, that have always been fundamentally sound, but a little slower, maybe a little more defensive-oriented. Of course, those were the days of, you know, Chara being there – but this this team is fun. It's exciting. It, it's up tempo. It's it's the best team in hockey. There's no other way to put it. Absolutely. And the the way I look at it is that this team was bound to lose a home game at some point. But right, right. W- well, when you consider that 41st game of the regular season, we're not at the halfway mark. The All Star game is not for another three weeks or so. And and you're just like, wow. That Seattle Kraken team that came into TD Garden tonight, and, and that has been a team that has been playing extremely well. They were 5-0 and on their current road trip leading into this game. They're now 6-0. and And there's a lot of things you, that you really like, with, at least from what I saw tonight, in terms of this Kraken team from their forwards. This is obviously their second year in existence in the NHL, but their forward group is pretty impressive. Their speed is pretty impressive. I mean, they they know how to score as well. This is not a team that is that is sore for offense. They've been able to um, play some very consistent hockey throughout the entire season. And tonight, I thought that you that you saw 
a team in which that gave Bruins fits in a way that I don't know if I would say that I'd never seen before, but because we've seen this team basically make comebacks like throughout the entire season, but this Kraken team presented a different challenge that this, that this Bruins team hadn't really faced all year. But last question on hockey, because I know it's not your, your strongest forte, but as far as your devils are concerned, <laughs> you talk about a team that is that is for real, by and large part, but they did have a stretch recently where they went through a bit of a slump. They were not playing their best hockey. So, yeah. Joe, when you look at the overall picture of the devils, what they've done so far this season, what are your thoughts on what you've seen in terms of the growth of Jack Hughes as well as the, the maturation of their captain, Nika uh, Hishier, as well? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, my, my Devils, what happened the first 20 to 25 games of the year was a blast. It was never sustainable, right? I mean, this is a team that's gone from the basement, from being a perennial top three drafter to mm -hmm. all of a sudden, were they going to compete for a Stanley Cup? Probably not. But we've seen a ton of improvement. They've, for the first time in a long time, been entertaining as hell. I think they're one of the most fun teams in the NHL to watch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And a, a lot of that is because of the man that you mentioned, Jack Hughes. I mean, this has been his breakout season during their stretch where they were one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest in hockey. Mm -hmm. It was like you were turning on ESPN's top 10 plays and Jack Hughes was there. It, it seemed like every other day. I mean, oh, whether yeah. it's his passing, whether it's you know him on the power play, his sniping. I mean, this kid, his puck control is so far advanced. It's some of the best puck control that I've seen in the league. He's really had a breakout year. And for a while, that was carrying the team. But at the end of the day, I think our goaltending was playing in and over its head. I think our defense was playing a little uh, above what they're capable of. You know, the offense is there. Finally, this team's lacked offense for seemingly a decade since they were in the 2012 Stanley Cup against the Kings. But Jack Hughes is there. Heshire's there. He's playing a great supporting role to Hughes. Look, Nico Heshire, high draft pick, great player. He's not your star. He's not your number one guy. He's playing the supporting role really well. And I think the Devils, you know, hopefully they sustain this they can get to the playoffs this year maybe make a little run but i think their window to actually be a legitimate contender starts next year from hockey to the gridiron because now you're talking my language <laughs> now now the patriots are in the offseason i had my radio show earlier today here in the on boston metro region 91.5 wmfo in which i talk about the patriots end of the season in conjunction with Mac Jones and the concerns that I have about Mac Jones's ability to be the franchise quarterback, or is he? So I want to start off by saying that as a Patriots fan, there are things that I saw from this team that you didn't see when Tom Brady was there. You didn't see when you had other respected veterans that were there, like Julian Edelman, you know, for example, or Damon, uh, Danny Amendola, for example, or you know, even when Dante Hightower was around, even Patrick Chun was around. You saw a lot of the younger guys, you know, like mouthing off at coaches, primarily Mac Jones on the sideline. And I took exception. I had a problem with that, in which that even though Mac Jones has his reasons to be frustrated, but I thought it showed a, a great deal of immaturity and lack of poise from a man who is supposed to be a leader in the face of a face of one of 32 franchises in the NFL. So Joe, 
when you look ahead to the offseason in terms of what the Patriots need to do and as well as areas that they need to, to address via the draft, where do you begin in terms of what the Patriots need to address first and what is their most pressing need? There's a lot of pressing needs there. There's a lot oh, of yeah. pressing that, that's needs. That's why I said pick, start, start number one. That start like with an offensive coordinator. I'll start with they need an offensive coordinator. Matt Thank Patricia, you. Joe Judge, this ugly bromance experience. I don't know what the hell is going on there, but it wasn't working. <laughs> I mean, Matt, 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 Matt Patricia, uh, you know, I always thought he was a better defensive mind than offensive mind. So, yeah. you know, I mean, this is a guy who's coached it all. Give him credit. A lot of guys, they work up the, they work their way up the ranks. They can coach O-line, tight ends, defense. But Patricia sharing the offensive responsibilities with Joe Judge, a, a former special teams coach and a terrible head coach for my New York Giants for the last two years. I, I mean, I just, they had no identity. They had no identity. I mean, you knew that they were a run first team, not necessarily because they wanted to be at all times, but because they couldn't be a pass first air it out team. So I I just, I thought that there was a lack of identity on offense. You need an offensive coordinator, one singular offensive coordinator who comes into the year with a game plan, who comes into the year with an approach. And my approach would also, in addition to a new offensive coordinator, be a new quarterback. I've been saying for a long time, Mac Jones isn't the guy. Mm. He's a spoiled brat. You see that with, you know, what you mentioned, yelling at coaches on the sideline. I hate the way that he seems to make more dirty plays than any other quarterback in football. We've seen some bad blocks, some, you know, kicking guys in right below the belt. I mean, tripping guys. Yeah. I think Mac Jones is a spoiled brat. He reminds me of Grayson Allen uh, on the Milwaukee Bucks, the former oh, dirty Duke player. Can't and, wait uh, to get. I, I think you need an OC and I think you need a QB. Joe, you, you just got my, my, my blood simmering uh, rather a bit because now I wasn't ready to talk basketball, but like now you got, <laughs> you got me like, Ooh, ah, Basketball's gonna have to hold for a few because I I I got I got something cooking, all right. Trust me, it's on simmer at the moment. <laughs> but I tr- trust me. But in in staying with the NFL, because I look at Mac Jones and I look at his decision making, and it's something that I talked about on ad nauseum on my radio show today, in which that I said, listen, decision making when you're under duress tells me an awful lot about the quarterback and the person. And neither of which had a positive showing in 2022. Mm -hmm. And when you go to the betting odds, and I feel like a lot of weeks that the Patriots were the underdog. There there was a game, if I remember correctly, against the Raiders that they were favored, but somehow found a way to blow that game. But when you see little intricacies like quarterback decision-making, can he – can he make the, the right read and be able to complete the pass and not cost your offense drives, key drives at that in critical junctures in games? How does that impact betting odds and what Vegas sees in terms of when they bet, whether if it's the Patriots being the underdog or the favorites, especially when you look back on the 2022 season? Well, I'll tell you this. Vegas did not have a lot of faith in Mac Jones. I mean, you mentioned that Raiders game. Any Bill Belichick team should have been favored against the Raiders this year. Mm -hmm. The Raiders were a huge disappointment. I thought they'd win 10 games, make the playoffs. They were awful. And the Pats were actually, it was close. It was almost a pick them. But the Pats were point and a half underdogs in that game. And the reason that I remember that game so vividly is because I actually teased that game, New England six points up to plus seven and a half uh, with Buffalo and that was when Buffalo had beat Miami 32-29 at home a couple weeks ago. I want to say middle of December. 
Uh, Buffalo didn't cover the straight up spread, but that teaser one with the Bills teased down, the Pats teased up. So they were point and a half dogs against a really bad Raiders team. And you mm. remember how that Raiders-Patriots game ended, of course. I mean, how could you forget it? That's <laughs> something that happens to a Bill Belichick team. Yeah. And that's because this team in particular had less discipline than any Bill Belichick team I've ever seen. This team had less discipline, had less structure, had less coaching, not counting Belichick, but I'm talking assistant coaching. It, it was just, it, it was a mess. It was a clown show up in Foxborough. But when you look at the odds, one thing that I found very interesting with the Patriots this year was that Vegas hit them on the head. When New England was a favorite, more often than not, they covered. When New England was an underdog, they were terrible. And you would think usually, you know, we love to say in betting, right? Give me a home dog eight days a week. When I see a mm -hmm. team is at home and they're a dog, that's disrespect. Give me the home dog. New England this year, when they were home dogs, terrible. I, I want to say, and I don't have the number in front of me, I want to say 0-3 against the spread as home dogs this year. Vegas knew when the Pats were going to have trouble. And that's because when, you, when you're dealing with a whiny little quarterback like Mac Jones, it becomes predictable. Oh, the Bengals are coming to town. Psh, Jones is not going to rise to the occasion. Now, they almost did because the defense almost. held Cincinnati scoreless in the second half. They yeah. almost did. But at the end of the day, Jones did not rise to the occasion. And I just don't see him as the kind of guy who throughout the course of his career is going to be able to rise to the occasion. It's why I think even after just two years, they need a new QB. I'm with you. And this is not a hot take. This is not something that it sh that should be like, oh, my God, you're a dumbass fuck, Patriots fan. How could you? Well, hello. Have you not seen or watched any of the games? And, and for you to realize that Mac Jones cannot be trusted as a leader. No, I, I personally, I like Bailey Zappi more than Mac Jones. I, 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 I was on the Zappi train back um, back when he was starting. Like, And, and you, my Twitter... My Twitter history can prove that. Like, so I'm 100% with you, Joe. The thing that, that, that really irritates the hell out of me with Patriot fans, and I deal with it a lot in this market, is that he has no weapons. How can he succeed with, with poor coaching? Did Tom Brady always have it perfect? Now, I'm not comparing Matt Jones to Tom Brady, right. but what I'm saying is the difference in maturity. That's what I look at. When you look at quarterbacks who are expected to lead a team, when you have turmoil and chaos, how do you handle that? And more times than not, I saw Bailey Zappi handle it a hell of a whole lot better than Mac Jones. So what is really the excuse for, for, for Patriot fans to even say that, well, Mac Jones, like, he, like he, it was a disaster for him from, from jumpstart. Like, he, you, ha you have all these excuses lined up. But in reality, you could just look over to his – left or right shoulder and say, well, what about Bailey Zappi? How did he handle the same mess and same turmoil that Mac Jones had to deal with? Let, let, let me ask you a question. Sure. I'm a Giants fan, right? Absolutely. What weapons did Daniel Jones have this year? At most, maybe maybe Saquon Barkley and Darius Slayton. That's it. Right. And Saquon, of course, is the running back. So when you're talking about guys catching passes, mm -hmm. Darius Slayton. You have Kenny Galladay making 20 mil a year, did nothing. Did nothing. You had Wandale Robinson, who was actually coming into his own a little bit, tear his ACL about midway through the season. Kadarius Toney, last year's first-round pick, gets traded to Kansas City for a song. I mean, you're talking Darius Slayton, and then you're talking guys like Richie James. 
guys mm-hmm. like Isaiah Hodgins, who they stole from the Buffalo Bills practice squad, who <laughs> Buffalo was just about to sign. And then the Giants called, the Giants swiped him. And the guy's got four touchdowns this year. I mean, Daniel Jones worked with nothing this year. I know New England doesn't have the best receiving core, right? I get it. Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne, not the sexiest names. Got a couple good tight ends. Hunter yeah. Henry and Jonu Smith. He's got a couple good tight ends out there. I mean, Tom Brady, and not to compare the two because Mac Jones shouldn't be able to tie Tom Brady's shoelaces, but Tom yeah. Brady took guys that on any other team would be forgotten names in history at this point. And he made them legends. He made them Super Bowl champs. He got them the ball in the biggest moments. Mac Jones, I, I don't want to hear the who does he have to throw to excuse. He's got a good O-line. He's got a damn good running back in Ramondre Stevenson. Make something happen. Mm-hmm. He can't do it. And Damian Harris as well. Like you, like the Patriots' run game wasn't the issue in 2022. It was crazy. game, yeah. The, the pass game left you like, with more to desire for, and so like into and, and your point, like, and, and that's a great point that you bring up about the Giants because you look at their weapons. It's outside of Saquon Barkley. It is it is damn near barren. And yeah. yes, this is a, this is a Boston um, podcast and whatnot, but. When we talk football, we can talk Patriots and as well as the NFL because NFL is still in session right now. And NFL NFL rules in terms of mainstream media and as well as sports betting. Like, so much so that even I'm willing to go as far as I'm going to step outside of the Boston sports realm this moment and do the unthinkable. Or is it the unthinkable? We got Super NFL wildcard weekend this weekend. And we got six magnificent games to, to go to go and pick from in which that I said to myself earlier the one game that I'm actually looking forward to the most Bucks Cowboys the storylines are there Tom Brady did not have the best of seasons the team did not have the best of seasons by by far Dallas has proven to me yet again they cannot be trusted when the temperature goes up so from both a pure X's and O football standpoint and as well as betting odds for Bucks Cowboys, what are your thoughts on, on how do you approach this game from a betting perspective? And do you trust Tom Brady and the Buccaneers to be able to pull out the victory at home against Dallas? This is an interesting game because if you just look at these two teams, just as singular items from what mm-hmm. we saw in the 2022 season, Dallas is so far superior to the Tampa oh, yeah. Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not a good football team. They are 8-9, and nine and they squeaked their way to that record. The Arizona Cardinals had them through three quarters on the ropes. The Los Angeles Rams had them on the ropes through 59 minutes in that game. There are so many different ways, shapes, and forms that Tampa Bay could be outside of the playoff picture right now looking in. The Dallas Cowboys talented team. You can argue the defense is actually better than that defense from a year ago that won the NFC East. That defense had set all sort of turnover records. Trey Diggs had a ridiculous season in terms of interceptions, but if you look at actual yardage, points given up, I think this Dallas defense is much more stout. Micah Parsons is a year more experienced, a year better. But Dak Prescott's been turning the ball over a lot lately. Oh yeah, and especially in the last three weeks. Yeah. And Dallas should have demolished Washington last week. Sam Howell's first start. I know sometimes it's tough when you don't have tape on a quarterback. Should have uh, beat Jacksonville know. as well. Yeah. Yeah, they had the Jags. I mean, come on. Houston 
Houston should have beaten Dallas. Dallas has had a rough go of the past five, six weeks. And when you look at these teams, Tampa Bay at home, they might only be one, six and one against the spread, but in true home games, I say true home games because that Seattle game in Germany was technically a home game, but in true home games played in Tampa Bay at Raymond James, they're four and four. So they're not covering, but they're winning half the time. Dallas on the road, four and four. Tampa Bay is an underdog in this one. Tom Brady's been a home dog once all year. I believe it was to Kansas City. Lost mm-hmm. by 10. They actually put up 31 points. Tom Brady is a home dog against the Dallas Cowboys team that he is 7-0 against in his career. A Dallas Cowboys team that in their last 16 playoff games, dating back to, I believe, 1994, is 4-12 straight up and 4-12 and against the spread. If you're going to make me bet on a quarterback to make a mistake in this one, it's Dak Prescott. I think Tampa Bay, as a home dog in the playoffs, I know that they were 8-9, and Dallas was 12-5 and this year. Tom Brady, Mike Evans, still a defense that is one of the best defenses in football, at least the front seven is, one of the best front sevens in football. They're going to put pressure on Dak, and when Dak feels pressure, he makes mistakes. I'm going to take Tampa Bay to cover the two and a half points and to win the game outright. It's going to be one or the other here. Either the Dallas Cowboys retire Tom Brady or Tom Brady and the Bucks retire Mike McCarthy. I think Mike McCarthy is getting canned after this. Even though all of the reports that come out of Dallas, specifically um, from what I from what I understand, is that Mike McCarthy's job is safe. But it's like, really? Whose smoke, whose ass are you blowing smoke up? Because we know how the NFL works. Like, if you you are only given a certain number of chances before he's like, you know what? Thank you very much for your services. Here's a pink slip. You're fired. See ya. Next guy up. Like, yeah, Jerry Jones is a Jerry Jones is a loose cannon. And so, yes, he came out. I believe just yesterday, maybe two days ago, yeah. and said Mike McCarthy's job is safe. He did. Um, but a, a source of mine in the NFC East has recently told me that he believes, from what he's heard, McCarthy would be out. I'll just say Jerry Jones is a really loose cannon, and I don't take his word for anything. If they lose this game, and if they somehow lose it ugly, if it's not even close, I I think Jerry Jones is looking for a new head coach, uh, a Mr. Sean Payton, specifically. Sean Payton working with Dak Prescott? Yeah. I mean, the man has had a a knack for working quarterback magic. Go ask Drew Brees, a a surefire future Hall of Famer. So... From the NFL to the NBA, because you thought I forgot earlier about that Grayson Allen comment, but you got me fired up, my man, because, listen, the Boston Celtics, after going through a two-and-a-half, three-week slump, it just seems like they're back to the Celtics that we saw to begin the year in which that offensively they're producing. Defensively, they're, they're, they're getting it done. Not at the level that they were – in the second half of last season, but still getting it done nonetheless. But especially tonight against the Brooklyn Nets, without Jalen Brown, who's going to be out at least a week or two, according to head coach um, Joe Mozula, what is your impressions on, on the Celtics based on what you've seen the last week or two? And how does the Jalen Brown injury impact betting odds for the Celtics moving forward over the next couple of weeks as we inch closer towards the all-star break in February. I mean, I'd imagine that Brown's injury 
uh, if anything, makes them a better value to win the East, right? Because people mm. are probably going to say they're going to start losing a couple games, so they're going to become more of a long shot. And if you're confident in this Celtics team over Milwaukee, over Brooklyn, who's been creeping up, if you're confident in them and you think that they can just tread water while Brown's out and then come back and surge when he returns, I think now would be the time while he's hurt to bet on some uh, to bet on them, you know, to win the East. If you're if, if you've got conviction there, at least uh, if not, you know, right now, maybe if they lose a couple games with Brown on the shelf, then hit him as those odds become a little bit more in the better's favor, a little bit more long shot odds. But I mean, what I saw in this game against Brooklyn, this uh, this Celtics team is just as well-rounded as any in the NBA. You know, you mm-hmm. see it's 2023, right? The game has changed so much in your lifetime, changed so much in my lifetime, yep. right? I remember when big men were important. And, oh, uh, yeah, now- Shaq, Shaq, yeah. freaking yeah, David Tim Robertson, Dikembe Mutombo, the Hall of Famer. I mean, like, I mean, I just named three Hall of Famers right there from our generation. Like, so, so you understand. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm only six foot four, so six, <laughs> six foot four white guy, I, I should be a corner three point shooter. But believe it or not, I was actually a center growing up. I was wow. a tallest guy. I was a high school center at six foot four. So I love and appreciate big guys because I could never shoot. People look at me and they're like, oh, that guy's JJ Reddick. No, no. <laughs> I was a shot blocking, rebound grabbing, slam dunking mother effort. I could never shoot. All I did was play in the post. So I love and appreciate the post game. Um, but this Celtics team is just so well-rounded. They can shoot the mid-range, which is a lost start. They can drive to the rim, uh, you know, attack the rack. They, they got bigs down there who love to, you know, play physical. Grant Williams is one of my most one of my favorite fours to watch in the league. This team can hang with anyone. But the guy who stood out to me the most tonight, and maybe it's because, you know, I, I couldn't, I had never lick of offense when I was younger. Now I could shoot a little bit, but when I was younger, I was a defensive guy. So the guy who I love is Marcus Smart. And he is going mm. to step up with Jalen Brown out. And he is going to shine for the Celtics right now. Look, Marcus Smart, if you don't understand or value his importance to the Celtics team, you don't know basketball. Marcus yeah, Smart agree. is just as important to the Celtics team, if not maybe more important than anyone not named Jason Tatum. If the Celtics won the NBA Finals, Marcus Smart was going to be the Finals MVP. Not Tatum, not Brown. Marcus Smart was the Celtics front runner to be the finals MVP. I mean, this guy just doesn't take a minute off. His motor never stops. His offense has gotten so much better than where it was early on in his career. His yeah. three-point shooting has improved drastically. Um, you know, rebounding. It, it, the guy's a beast. I, I think really he's going to shine in Jalen Brown's absence. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And the reason why is because I think – Joe Mozula, and I give him credit for the fact that he's able to recognize the value that he brings and as well as see, like, what does Marcus Smart do well? What is What does he excel at? And put him in that position to be able to, to succeed. You already know what you're going to get defensive, so that's not even a concern. If you had a concern going into the season was, is he going to sh- improve his, his three-point shooting percentage? Is he going to improve on his shot selection? Because it was a problem during the playoffs at times. Although the Celtics were able to overcome that at, at, at key moments on their way to the NBA Finals last season. But what you're seeing now is, is a guy that who was, he's already a leader. But he realizes that, you know what? I got to elevate my game so I can show guys like you were talking about Grant Williams. 
but you cannot forget about Peyton Pritchard as well because I think Peyton Pritchard's importance is going to go up even more over the next couple of weeks and as well as show some of the younger guys that are on this team like a Sam Hauser or a, another veteran like, like Luke Cornett like how to elevate their games because as you mentioned this is a, the, probably the most well-rounded team in the NBA starting five the six man bench. bench as well go ahead yeah no no, no the bench that, that's that's what I was going to add is that not only are they well-rounded and versatile but they're deep they're yeah. so deep and depth is something that is very lacking in today's NBA because the NBA and, and this is part of the reason I don't follow it as closely as I used to it, it just doesn't seem like basketball is as much of a team sport as it, as it used to be in the 90s, in the early 2000s, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's so star-centric. It's our big three versus your big three, our star versus your star. And the Celtics, I mean, they have a star. His name is Jason Tatum. Nice to meet you. But they are they are very well-rounded. They, they they're a deep team. Uh, they do a lot of the fundamental old-school things well. And that's why even as a Knicks fan, it's hard to hate the Celtics team because they just they, – they everything that's right about basketball – this Celtics team embodies. They're not just out there blindly chucking up threes. In fact, that you can argue may be one of the few weaker parts of this Celtics team is their three-point shooting. But they do everything so well that it masks that. And when they need to, they can still knock down a couple from deep. They're not the most potent three-point shooting team in the league, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. But you know what? There's a team in the West that, in fact, you know what's interesting? Last night, which was Wednesday night, for those that will be listening and watching this podcast later. I was interviewed on Sports Map Radio on, on the Diehards. And I mentioned on the Diehards that the team in the West, in my opinion, that the Celtics, if they in fact get to the finals, which I wholeheartedly believe that they will, is going to be Denver. Denver's got the number one shooting percentage from three-point land in the NBA. And it, it is, it's not really surprising considering when you look at how that team is made up, but they don't have the bench that the Celtics have. And that's the difference between the Celtics and a, a legitimate contender like Denver, for, for example. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, this Denver team always becomes a bit of an afterthought to me because they get to the playoffs. I don't know why. Well, they get to the playoffs and then they choke. Uh, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think this team, yeah, was that I, subtle or was that not so subtle? <laughs> I, I don't think this Nuggets team is, is a serious contender. I mean, Jokic wow. might try to go for three in a row, oh. but I, I don't think that this Denver Nuggets team is necessarily going to be the last one standing, at least in their own conference at the end of the day. Wow. So who, like, who would you have ahead? Would, would it be the Clippers? Would it be the, um, the, the Mavericks? Like who, who do you have ahead? I mean, there's a lot of basketball to be played, man. The Dallas Mavericks entice me, but they also – I question their depth, you know? I don't if trust Luka them. Doesn't, if Luka doesn't have a great game, is Spencer Dinwiddie going to go out there and drop 35-40? Um, oof. Because I've already seen once already, you shut down Luka, you shut down um, Dallas offensively. Right, That's the Mavericks live, the live and die through Luka. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, look, I, I know right now that they're hitting the skids, but the Phoenix Suns, when they yeah. get healthy, they're still as dangerous as anyone. Um, and this Clippers team, man, this Clippers team, they could play defense. They got two-way stars. You know, Denver, I don't really love their defense. This Clippers team, eh, you know what? Screw it. I moved to L.A. 10 months ago, so I'll be a homer. I'll say the Clippers. I'll say the Clippers. I, th I think the Eastern Conference is really so much better. I mean, I think the Cavs are legit. I think the Bucks are the best. I think the Celtics are right there with Milwaukee. I mean, the Eastern Conference to me 
you know, Brooklyn, as much as I can't stand them, they're, they're right in the thick of things. The Eastern yeah. Conference is, is actually, for a change, the superior conference in my book, and it's not that close this season. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned Milwaukee, and I think Milwaukee would be the one team that would really give the Celtics the most fits come to playoff time, especially if Chris Middleton is healthy. Right. And that was single-handedly the biggest difference in last year's seven-game series in the semifinals between the Celtics and the Bucks, Chris Middleton's lack of availability swung yeah. in favor of, of the Celtics. If Middleton is healthy, I'm not so sure the Celtics even beat Milwaukee in a seven-game series last season. Now, this year, I think they still do, but the Chris Middleton factor is very much real in Milwaukee because as great as, as we all know, Giannis Antetokounmpo is, but Chris Middleton adds another element to Milwaukee's team, the, the way they, they run offensively, especially the way that they, they defend, that it kind of gives them a little bit of an edge. Oh, 100%. I mean, this Milwaukee team, when healthy, is the best team in basketball. And, and I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry to say this, but yeah, if Middleton was healthy, the Bucs would have beaten the Celtics. That, that <laughs> series, by the way, that was the conference championship last year. Forget Miami. Whoever won the Celtics-Bucks series was the team that was going to the finals. And, uh, you know, thinking on it a little bit, you know, we didn't mention New Orleans. We didn't mention yeah. Memphis. Uh, you know, I, I like the Clippers. I, I didn't have conviction behind that pick. And I want to give you a pick that I've got conviction behind. So sure. you Go can ahead. put me on the record right now. It's 2023. The finals are only five months away. It's going to be the <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks and the Memphis Grizzlies. That's, that's going to be the wow. NBA finals because – my two favorite players in the league to watch are Giannis and John Morant. And uh, why the hell not? You know, plus that Memphis team, that Memphis team is deep. They're a complete team. You know, they've got dogs, guys who know their role, right? Desmond Bain, he's a guy who can light it up. If, if Jaw's not really putting the ball through the net, but he's doing all the other things, he's rebounding, he's dishing, he's playing defense, Desmond Bain can knock down some shots. Brandon Clark is one of the most efficient players in the NBA. He doesn't give you a ton of minutes, maybe 24 a game. But he mm -hmm. still can give can be a double double machine in those 24, 26 minutes. So yeah, man, I love that damn Grizzlies team. I don't know how they escaped me before when I was thinking of teams to contend, but give me the Bucks, give me the Grizzlies. That's my official pick. Wow, Bucks, Grizzlies. I'm going to stamp this, frame it, and use this as a reference point. But man, the Grizzlies. You frame it, I'll sign it for you. <laughs> say less. Say say less. But but Joe, seriously. It's been an absolute blast to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for, for coming on as it's been a lot of fun, man. Like I know we both, we both are busy men these days, but you're the man for coming on Joe, Joe Serralo, national TV betting host of stadium. Serralo sports talk on sports map radio Wednesday nights from 7 PM to 8 PM Eastern part of the belief family. Joe, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me. Thank you. I appreciate you having me, man, anytime. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.